This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, you're listening to me and Paranormal You with your host, Ryan Singer. Because it's more fun to believe. Okay, uh, I am here getting ready to uh, have a chat with Jason Vogan. Uh, Jason, thanks for taking the time to uh, chat with me today. It is my pleasure, Ryan. Uh, you thanks reached for having me. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Uh, you reached out to me. It wasn't all that long ago, I guess, in recent no. history about some really interesting stuff and uh, with some, I think it's going to be some insider information about some, a topic that's very interesting to me and I know a couple of friends of mine, so I'm really excited about the chat. And then maybe if we have time, we can even get into what you are doing now as well. Yeah, my, 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 new, my new creepy gig. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah so... Um, so take me to uh, let's let's start with the old gig you had, yeah, if we can. All right. So it was. Well, it was more of a volunteer. It was more of a volunteer thing. Um, I was a field investigator for um, the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. Um, you know, they're the ones that are doing the show finding Bigfoot on Animal Planet, and this was back in I think, I think I got with them in two thousand four. Uh, I found him on the internet. Uh, you know, I've had lifelong interest in, in Bigfoot uh, since I saw a legend of Boggy Creek with my brother when I was six. And uh, Lord love my mom. She bought me every book she could possibly find on the subject. And I was just, you know, lifelong obsession. And I found these guys on the internet after actually getting duped by another group uh, run by a guy named Tom Biscardi, who's a known hoaxer. Yeah, we can talk about that guy later because uh, I definitely right, do want to yeah, cover. I, I yeah. definitely do want to cover yeah. that guy as well. Yeah, so I found uh, the BFR. At that point, they were doing a lot of uh, public expeditions, and you had to apply for them. And Matt Moneymaker, who is the you know founder and president, he would call and interview you, and then let you know if you know you were accepted onto the expedition. Uh, so I was going to try, going to try to see what I on, on a trip with them get myself a birthday present, and I did. I could, you know, apply to the accepted. I was living in uh, North Carolina at the time um, and a law enforcement officer at the time as well. And the uh, expedition I went in, went on was just outside of Helen, Georgia, in White County, Georgia, up in, uh, Chatt in the Chattahoochee uh, National Forest and the Nantahala National Forest. Nantahala, I think it was the Nantahala. But they're both right there. They're right next to each other. It's a gorgeous part of the country. So I went up there for uh, four days over the weekend, um, had a great time, you know, didn't see anything, but we heard some stuff. And at the end of the weekend, you know, Matt and I talked to these, you know, they, they needed uh, someone to help out some of the investigators in my, my area of the country and asked me if I'd be interested. And I jumped at the chance. And from there, I started doing eyewitness account, um, investigations, uh, interviewing people, going out and checking stuff out. Um, Every spare minute I have was spent in the woods, uh, doing everything I could to find evidence. And from there, I started helping uh, organize um, expeditions. And 
I think at last count, I, th- I think I was on like I, I I was on like twenty four different expeditions. Wow! All through this, all through the south southeast, and uh, even the I actually even got to go on one out in the Pacific Northwest. You know, in the hotbed, you know, oh, up cool. in uh, Washington State on the Olympic Peninsula. So you know, it was a great time in my life. You know, I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, learned a lot from them. Um, kind of burned a few bridges. Not me, that them. You know, and I'm not with them anymore. But then again, I really don't have the time anymore for it. Uh, still, though, I'm obsessed with the subjects. You know, I'm constantly reading about it, and I'm, uh, you know, subscribed to several newsletters on the internet and listen to a bunch of different podcasts and things like that. So, and uh, I even got to the point where I was doing, um, I was lecturing at uh, at small colleges and community colleges and universities in North Carolina. Uh, you know, because you know, I published a bunch of different reports and stuff like that. So I would be you know, professors would reach out to me because I was in the area and I'd go and I'd talk to their classes and take them, you know, show them videos that weren't really, you know, made public and stuff like that and give them insight. And that was a lot of fun too. So it was a good time in my life. I really did enjoy it. And I was, uh, also, I'm also fortunate enough to have two encounters, um, with with the animals. Oh, okay, so, okay. Let's yeah. uh, let's hold on that for a second. All right. Because um, I want to talk about the uh, the day job, uh, or you know, in law enforcement, and also right. the way it carries over into, let's say, the the eyewitness accounts and the uh, interviewing. Is right. Was that where, uh, is that where like that job really came into play for you when it came to uh, the hunting and looking for Bigfoot? Um, I think, sort of. I mean, I wasn't really. I didn't really do many investigations. You know, I did talk to, you know, eyewitnesses and stuff like that, the day job. But I think what really transferred over was uh, the training. Because uh, I was on, um, in the jail, I was on the rem- uh, the extraction team. I was a trained riot officer. So um, being able to handle myself in tense situations was a lot more effective than being able to investigate somebody. So... Yeah, well, that sounds like the, like that sounds like the one job. Like, if I had to work in a prison, yeah. uh, I remember years ago I thought I might want to, you know, help like uh, at at risk youths, you know, try to transition back out of jail because I, I was right. I studied social work for a little period right. of time. But like that would be the last job I'd want in the prison <laughs> system, like riot extraction. Yeah, because <laughs> these guys got nothing to lose. Nothing, not not a thing at all, you know, and uh, they got nothing but time and absolutely nothing to lose, and they don't care. Worth that uh, was an open pod system where it was just like a big, big room with, you know, 36 bunk beds. So, and, you know, you walk in one cop in there with, you know, 72 people that don't really like law enforcement officers. Uh, and, you know, you're in there by yourself and you, you know, you don't carry any weapons, uh, you know, you, you may have pepper spray, but that's it. You know, so you learn people skills really, really quickly. <laughs> um, so yeah. I think that also, that did help in, you know, talking to eyewitnesses and things like that. But, um, I guess people uh, yeah, skills was, become survival skills at the, on that they level. They do. They do. Exactly. You know, and, um, I was fortunate enough to take a couple of classes in verbal judo, uh, which is just, you know, um, you know, it's, 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 it's exactly what it sounds. It's being able to talk your way out of situations and, and you know, resolve conflicts verbally. Because all you really have is, you know, your, your wits about you. You know, you can't, you can't start a fight with 72 people, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, this isn't the movies. Right. And it's one of those things, you know, uh, when you sign up at a jail like that, you have, you, you have to sign a contract that says, hey, if you get taken hostage... We'll try to come get you, but there's no, uh, but, but you know, there's no promises that you're going to come out of it alive. Yeah, so, it's like it's like one of those uh, waivers that like parking garages right. have. Like, exactly. hey, we're not responsible for items damaged inside of your body. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> While you're parked here, so would you? Uh, I'm I'm interested in the measurement system here in your mind. Whether it's yeah. what's what is scarier or more dangerous, I guess is a better way to describe it. Uh, being in that situation, one security officer, one police officer right. in a situation of 72 criminal incarcerated men or being in the woods, uh, with an unknown danger. Um, I would, ra- I would much rather go into a pod of, of, of inmates because I know that, you know, 
you know, I have a radio and if I get in trouble, someone's coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, being out in the woods alone and having an encounter, uh, is it's unpredictable. They're wild animals after all, you know, there's a lot of speculation. A lot of people think that, you know, that's paranormal or, you know, you hear people talk about being aliens, you know, things like that. But these, you know, they're wild animals. It's in my opinion, this is my opinion alone, you know, not alone, but this is how I feel is that they're, you know, an undocumented bipedal North American primate. Um, they're not the missing link. They're not human. Uh, they're, they're wild animals. And wild animals are unpredictable. You know, even a raccoon backed into a corner is going to, you know, try to rip your face off. Yeah, you can't reason with a raccoon. No, you, <laughs> no, you can't. You know, it's those little hands, too, that freak me out with a yeah, raccoon. Oh, my God, you know? yeah, it's so creepy, right? Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, so I'd much rather go into, you know, with, you know, a bunch of inmates that hate hate cops than to be alone in the woods and have one of these things walk up on you. Yeah. Because if they want you, they're going to take you. Oh, man. And so I think what people sometimes forget, or at least I do, and I don't know if other people make the same mistake, but when it comes to, like, let's say going on an expedition looking, searching for Bigfoot, you're out in the woods. Typically, you're by yourself. You might have maybe one or two other people with you, uh, maybe, but it's so dark out there. It's just pitch black. Yeah. And... And you, you, on those expeditions, you have to practice, you know, red light protocol. If you, if you have, you, you, we, you, we'd wear headlamps, but you're not allowed, you know, turning on the white light is not an option. Um, so, you know, they have red lights on them that you, know, you can walk with them, but once you get to where you're going, you're turning everything off. Um, and, you know, most more organizations don't provide things like, you know, night vision or thermals or stuff like that. Oh, okay. So if you have any of that equipment, it's, you know, it's at your own cost, and that stuff is not cheap. So, you know, you're 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 relying a lot on ambient light when you're out there if you don't have any equipment. And you know, some of these places are 15, 20, 30 miles out in the middle of nowhere, and there's absolutely no uh, no light pollution. How do you how do you get back uh, to where you came from when you when you travel out in the woods like that? Is there uh, well, on the way out, you know, it's the, the light protocols are, are a little more relaxed because, um, you know, if you're calling at night, you're going in, you know, and so they can be relaxed. You know, you know, you, know, you can, you know, cut the, cut the light in your hand so you have a little bit of light. But sometimes, you know, your eyes will adjust eventually. And you'd be amazed at how bright it can be out in the middle of the woods. Wow. You know, especially when there's, no, when there's no light pollution. You know, a full moon out there is almost like sunlight, mm-hmm. you know, so... It just depends, and a lot of people will use their red light, and you'd be amazed at how well you can see with a red light in the middle of the woods, in the middle of the night. So. And what's the, uh, do you use a compass to get back to where you parked, or? Uh, normally, um, the way we would do it, if we were, if, you know, if we had, like, a public expedition, and there was a lot of people that really hadn't been out on these things before, we would stick to trails. Um, and uh, so you're, you're on the trail, but you're sitting off the, off the side of the trail. Okay. And, you know, there was always, there was never a group of people that, that were all rookies. There was always someone that was experienced with a group. So that'd be the person in charge of getting these other five people back to wherever they were going. You know, and then the people that were experienced or helped set up the expedition or did the field work for the expedition, they knew the area well enough to know where they were. Um, we relied heavily on uh, DeLorean. I don't know if you know the DeLorean Gazetters. They're the big topographical map books that you oh, can get. Okay. I think I've yeah, heard so, of them. I, I've never seen yeah. or Yeah, I've never had them. Yeah, they're before. awesome. I mean, they're incredible. Like the one I have for North Carolina, I've got all my, you know, all my eyewitness accounts and sightings and everything highlighted. You know, I've had that thing since 2004. It's, it's full of highlighted. It's, they're, they're, they're indispensable. You know, so if, if you know the area, you pretty much know where you're going. You know where not to go. Because you know, there's a lot of drop-offs, and especially my uh, the area I worked mostly was called the uh, it's uh, the Uari National Forest, and out there they have a bunch of abandoned uh, gem mines. Uh, in that part of North Carolina, there's a lot of uh, used to be a lot of gemming, and there's still people who go out and dig for emeralds and stuff like you know natural em- emeralds and things like that. So you got a lot of abandoned mine shafts out there. So wow. sticking to the trails is probably the best idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure, especially during you know, the darkness. Right. The uh, now let's 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 get into a little bit about uh, or how many years did you do this? Would you say? Uh, I'd say from two thousand four to two thousand two 
2011 was my last sighting, and that was uh, in North Georgia. Um, and then uh, after that, uh, I had some personal issues going on. You know, the end of my second marriage and my you know, to my son's mother, so I kind of tailed off on everything after that. So it was still about 2011. Did uh, I don't know if this is too personal, but did the obsession with finding Bigfoot uh, negatively <laughs> affect your relationships? Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, that and also being in law enforcement, um, it's it's hard to be married to to a law enforcement officer because uh, you know you never know if you know when you're going to get that call in the morning if you're going to come back. Yeah, so uh, that plus you know it, it was a bit of an obsession, and tell me to the point where. You know, if my, I was off during the week and my, you know, I said to my son, what do you want to do today? So let's go find Bigfoot Daddy. No problem. We're out in the woods. And that's yeah. all he ever wanted to talk about. And, uh, yeah, so I would say, yes, it did have a, a bit of a negative effect upon my relationship. So. <laughs> well, trust me, I can uh, I can definitely relate to a, yeah. uh, to an obsession negatively affecting uh, rela- personal relationships, uh, for right. sure. What's the... Uh, yeah, what what was the idea of people that you worked with and uh, their ideas um, about about your extracurricular activities? I didn't really share it with a lot of people because um, there's still kind of a negative uh, connotation involved with it. People think you're crazy um, because you know, hey, these things don't exist. Well, how do you know? Well, I've never seen one. Okay, have you ever seen a baby pigeon? No. Oh well, wait, you know wait a exist, second. Right? Wait a second. You know what? <laughs> wait a second. What? A baby pigeon, like, yeah. I'm trying. Why is think, this? Think why back, is this? Why is this melting my brain right now? I've never think, seen. Yeah, think a, back in your life. Have you ever seen a baby pigeon? No, I've never even come close to seeing an adolescent pigeon. I don't think. Like, You're pretty sure they exist, though, right? Yeah. Gosh. Okay. Now I'm thinking about it. Wow. I, I just wondered, like, yeah. do they just come in out of giant eggs, fully formed? <laughs> exactly. <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's one of those things, you know. For a lot of people, you know, believing, seeing is believing. And for other people, believing is seeing. You know, it's it's completely different. You know, so, and especially it was a smaller town, a smaller community that I worked in, and it was a very big, uh, good old boy network, which you know a lot of counties in North Carolina are like that. Um, so I didn't want the stigma. So there's a few people that knew, but not a lot of people didn't know about it. Yeah, I mean, just going to the grocery store. Hey, looking, uh, hey, hey yeah, looking yeah, for Bigfoot over here. Yeah, there's the Bigfoot. He's in the frozen yeah. foods, Jay. Yeah, exactly. Things like that, you know, and, but I did, uh, I, I did several, you know, a bunch of investigations around the town that I lived in. Cause there was, you know, one that had, you know, they've been citing him for, you know, 20 years in this one area, you know, so I did that investigation. So yeah, there's, there were people that knew, but you know, I'm not going to talk to my captain and say, Hey, by the way, captain, I need this weekend off. I'm going to look for Bigfoot. Yeah, for sure. You know, so yeah, but yeah, I, there's like, you know, so I didn't, I didn't advertise it much cause I just didn't really feel like, you know, dealing with it. You know, dealing with the stigma. So yeah, how old is your son now? Uh, my oldest is yeah. eight. Okay. Um, and then we have a I have a five year old stepson, and our baby is about to turn one. Oh, okay, cool. Well, congrats yeah. on the baby. Thanks, the, man. Uh, is the uh, the oldest son still into Bigfoot? Um, unfortunately, his his mother and I are not uh, on speaking terms, which means she keeps him from me. Um, but the last I heard, yes, the last time he and I spoke. He was asking. That's you know. He asked. That's the first thing he'll usually ask when we talk is anything about Bigfoot. Oh wow! And uh, she every time he he brings it up, she tells him it's not real. Hmm. You know, it's just something your daddy made up. You know, things like that. So yeah, she tries to shove him away from it. But I hope he still does. You know, because yeah. Well, if if children are anything like children have always been, yeah. uh, trying to keep a a kid away from something will only yeah, <laughs> push him towards it. it yeah. 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 Those but, were some really good memories that he and I had, you know, I mean, that was our thing. We'd go hiking all the time, you know, and, and he'd ask me questions. And so that was our thing. So, it's, you know, I hope he still does. Yeah. And you know, I, I believe in my heart he does. Yeah. And you're in Florida now. Yeah. Okay. I'm on the Gulf coast of Florida now. Uh, now is it, uh, typically referred to as the skunk ape down there? Yeah. Down here it's, <clears throat> there's, um, uh, there's a belief that there's like four different 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 kind four four or six different kinds in the country. Um, you know, you got your the ones like they have in Pacific Northwest, which you know the Patterson Gimlin footage, the really the really old uh, thing in '69. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it several yeah, times. Yeah, it's the iconic. Uh, yeah, the iconic one. Right? Yeah, it's the most you iconic. Know? So if someone's trying right. to wonder what that is, it's that iconic yeah. image of Bigfoot, kind of like yeah. walking. 
yes, you see uh, its correct. side and his head is yeah. kind of turned towards right. the yeah. it was taken yeah taken in bluff creek california by roger patterson and bob gimlin um you got those and then like uh in east texas which is another one of the huge spots in the country um they have they're a little bit smaller but much 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 more aggressive um and then on the east coast where i was uh you've got uh they're they're big but they're not as aggressive but they still are aggressive and then down here in florida they have uh, what's called the skunk cape that's what they you know the locals call it and they're a little bit smaller and uh somewhat aggressive so you know a lot of people most people think you know when they think of bigfoot they think of harry and the hendersons you know and they think he's our big forest friend and he just wants to be our buddy and you know we need to go out and give him food and feed him and make him our friend but you know that friend can rip your head off with one shot yeah you know you're talking about a creature that you know they've been reported to be seen up to 11 feet tall wow you know and well over a thousand pounds jesus now is there any has there been any reports of a physical uh physical attack from Big um well there's a a there's been a couple like the most uh, oh excuse me hold on i'm shifting positions here my knees are about to fall off um the most uh, iconic one is a uh, tale of a guy named Albert Osterman. And this is back in 1924. This happened. He, uh, he um, claimed to have been kidnapped by, by a clan and held hostage for six days. Oh, wow. Um, they didn't hurt him in any kind of way, but you know, you know, he, they, they, they took him, you know, took him away and held him in their little area. Uh, but you know, you think of all the people that go missing each year, in national forests and parks and things like that that are never found, never seen, never heard from again. Um, there's a book called Missing 411. It's David, actually a series yeah, of books. David Polites. Uh, yes, exactly. Wow, very fascinating uh, and scary stuff. Yes, and, you know, it's his contention that a lot of these people that are, you know, end up missing and are never found again, that it's, you know, entirely possible that a Sasquatch has taken them and, you know, killed them or eaten them or whatever, you know, so... And, you know, I'm, I'm of the belief that these things look at us as food, you know, and they will if they have to. You know, we're not very opportunistic because, you know, you look at the human race and we're a very, very violent people, you know, very, a very violent species. And we've eradicated everything that we've come across. So they stay away from us. But every once in a while, they don't, you know. Wow. Is so, yeah. there... Um... Like the guy, I'm I'm fascinated too with the guy who was uh, kidnapped. Who you mentioned? Yeah, um, uh, Albert he, Albert Austin. Yeah, Albert Austin. Did he escape, uh, or did they let him go? Or no, he escaped. It's actually it's kind of a funny story. He uh, he was a construction worker and uh, and gold miner, and he took a vacation to do some prospecting, and he finally got to the camp he was going to. And the first two nights, his rucksack had been poured out, you know, on the ground. And he wanted to figure out what it was. So the third night he slept with his boots in his in his sleeping bag and his gun in his sleeping bag. And uh, in the middle of the night, something just grabbed the top of his sleeping bag and picked him up and threw it over his shoulder. And he estimated it carried him about 25 miles. Wow. Up up and down mountains. And they had him in this, they got to this little, uh, little canyon that they were in. It was an um, uh, uh, adult male adult female, a juvenile male, and a juvenile female. And he assumed that it was a family. Um, so, you know, they just kept him there and watched him. He had no idea what they were doing. You know, he had a gun with him, but he said uh, that he didn't think that uh, his thirty thirty that he had with him would really affect the old man. I think was this, you know, that big. That he, he you know, he was, he didn't think it was going to be enough firepower to shoot his way out. And I think he only had something like 26 shells with him, something like that. So eventually he kind of gained their trust and he had a bunch of boxes of snuff with him. And, uh, one morning as he was sitting there around his fire, he took a pinch of snuff and the old man, the, the big one reached over and grabbed the box from him and emptied it all in his mouth and swallowed it. And then when he started to get sick, he chased it with, uh, the guy's cold coffee grounds and all. And that just made it even worse. And he, uh, Ended up, I guess he ran down to the little stream that was near their their home, and that's when he took his his chance and he got his stuff together and walked out the walked out the entrance and hiked back about fifty miles to get back to where he needed to go. Was, this is up in British Columbia. Wow. Yeah. So and 
there's some people that don't believe it. Um, but, uh, there's a lot of, you know, very formidable experts that do believe it because he's explaining, you know, primate behaviors. And he was a, a Swedish immigrant, um, uneducated Swedish immigrant. And he's explaining these primate behaviors that he, he would, he would have no idea, you know, how these, how, how to, he would have no idea about these things. Yeah, this is before Google. Way before Google, right? You know, he didn't even tell his story prominently until 1954, when a guy named John Green, um, who is one of the first people to actually start investigating this this subject in in depth, he told John the story, and every time he told the story, it was the exact same thing. So either it was really well rehearsed, or it was true. You know, and and people are still the way he describes the all of the animals is the way people are still describing them today. You know, and I've always said that, you know, we there's thousands and thousands and thousands of eyewitness reports in databases all over the country. And if just one of those has any merit or just one of those is true, then it's something out there. But all these people cannot be telling the same lie and, you know, sticking that closely to it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm right. of the same belief when it comes to... The idea that, you know, when when people I was having a discussion with a friend of mine uh, even before we talked uh, here today that, uh, well, how come there's no how come people haven't seen one? And it's like, well, no, no, people have. <laughs> That's just yeah, exactly. That's just the thing. People people, in fact, have seen them. So let's right. uh, let's talk about your first encounter. All right. Uh, it was in you are a national forest. In North Carolina, it was February of 2008. Uh, it was really cold. I think it got down to like negative two, which was, it was the coldest winter on record in North Carolina in a long time. Can you give me um, a, a like a kind of a general area, like which city it might be close to? Like? Uh, do you know where Charlotte is? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Okay. Uh, going east towards the towards the ocean, there's a town called Salisbury, and the Uari is just outside the Salisbury, North Carolina. Um, there's a huge uh, Alcoa factory there. It's right on Baden Lake. So it's maybe about an hour uh, east of Charlotte. Okay. It's in the Piedmont of North Carolina. Um, gorgeous mountain range. I mean, it's beautiful. Love it there. It's one of my favorite places on the face of the earth. You know, if I could retire and build a cabin somewhere near there, I would. Um, a good friend of mine that was also an investigator, him and some of his friends had gone out probably about four weeks before. And they were going... Uh, they, went, they did a little bushwhacking, and they came in off trail, and they found this really nice little spot to camp in. Uh, had this nice flat area, and then it was right on a little creek. And a flat area that went up. There was a little hill, and then they went all the way back to where it, finally about 300 yards past that, it dropped off almost automatically. So they got there around dusk. They started setting up their camp, and automatically, right, you know, right when they started setting stuff up, they started getting hassled. Um, and you know, it's a known primate behavior where they'll, you know, they'll throw primates, they'll throw rocks or small objects. Um, and they started getting rocks and pine cones thrown into their, um, uh, into their, into their campsite. Um, and this went on for hours, you know, and they heard things walking just outside the firelight. And if you've ever spent any time in the woods and if you've been, ever been around animals, you can tell when something's walking on two legs as opposed to something walking on four. Uh, so something was walking, at least, at least two things were walking around the camp on two feet. And this went on all night to the point where the, the guys wanted to leave. Some of them were like, you know, we're getting out of here right now, which would have been probably the dumbest thing they could have done. It's the middle of the night. You know, they're a few miles into the woods. Where are they going to go? You know, so they toughed it out till morning. And uh, as far as I know, there's at least one or two of them that have not been back out in the woods since this. And that, that was the end of 2007. Wow, they're yeah, just done good. with it. They're like, they're okay, I'm not, not going yeah. back. There's right, no, exactly. No. Yeah. So uh, my buddy that was, the, the, my buddy Tommy that w was part of the group, um, lived a little too far away you know, to do any kind of investigation. So one of the guys that was close to there uh, volunteered to go out, you know, time again, the location, volunteered to go out and put uh, tram camera traps out. So he did, and then about three weeks later, a group of us got together, and we were going to go retrieve these camera traps. 
And unfortunately, camera traps are one of the most stolen objects in the woods. You know, if someone sees them, they'll tra- they'll do whatever they can to get them off the, the tree they're on, and they'll take them with them. So we get there, and we can't find either of the camera traps. And um, I'm like, you know what? I asked Tommy, I was like, what, what, you know, what's up this hill up here? And he goes, I don't know. We didn't, re- you know, we didn't get a chance to go up there. We, uh, you know, we left, you know, right away, right at first light. So, well, I'm going to go up there. Why don't you come with me? So we both went up there. And we walked up about 100 yards, 150 yards. And at that point, nature called. So I, you know, excused myself to go relieve myself. And uh, I don't know if you've heard about wood knocking. You know, there's people that believe that, you know, they knock on, you know, take a stick and hit a tree in order to communicate with each other. Okay, yeah, that's some, that's a yeah. uh, that's a, a, a theorized Bigfoot communication. Method. Right. It's also it's also another known primate uh, behavior. Chimpanzees do it. Orangutans do it. So, um, so I walked up up another hundred yards to go pee, and as I'm finishing up, Tommy could pop his tongue really really loudly. You, know, you like you know do that like you know that click sound with his tongue really loud. Oh yeah yeah and. Yeah. So uh, I, all right, at this point, I think it's safe to, I think it's important. I was armed at this time. Um, I never went in the woods without a firearm, without a handgun on me. Um, and it wasn't for the Bigfoot. It wasn't for, you know, the animals out there. It was for the rednecks that I would encounter sometimes. Because uh, they don't like you being on their property. And also there's a lot of pot farmers out there who really don't want you on their property. For sure. Exactly. So, um I finished up and I was turning around and Tommy popped his tongue and I started laughing. Like Tommy's being crazy. And as I'm turning to my left, out of the corner of my eye, I see this thing start standing up from behind a bush. Um, chestnut brown. Um, didn't get a good look. It was it has back to me. And as I kept turning, it kept standing up and kept standing up and kept standing up. And I would estimate it was about eight and a half feet tall at this oh. time and I kept turning and then I'm sitting there watching it walk away seeing its back flex the whole thing everything within my body and all my training is screaming get your gun get your gun get your gun I was paralyzed with fear at this point and even though I believed in it and I had heard sounds and I had heard calls and I you know all this stuff and talked to you know hundreds of eyewitnesses still there's something inside your head that says this is not supposed to be here this thing is not supposed to be walking away on two legs so it scared the living crap out of me. Um, I ended up throwing up. I was so scared. Holy shit. So. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, do, were you throwing up when it was still in sight? Uh, he had just he had just crested back because he went down the, I told you, it dropped off a ledge. Uh-huh. I had just seen the top of his head go past the crest and all of a sudden I puked. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash ev9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, my God. I was, I was that scared. A lot of people also think that, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the uh, with infrasound. Oh, uh, the idea that, like, well, I think there's some people who theorize about, like, sound cannons and things like that, too. Right, right? stuff like that. Um, like, elephants use infrasound uh, to communicate across long, long uh, distances. And it's just out of the human register, you know, out of the register of our ears. It's very low, and supposedly you can feel it in your bones. Um a lot of some people theorize that the Bigfoot they'll use it for sound to stun prey when they're hunting. I don't really think so. I don't really buy too much of that. I just know that I was scared shitless. So I puked. Um, by that time, Tommy had walked up. He goes, "What is wrong with you?" I just started pointing. You know, go that way, that way. Go, go, go. And he went running over there. He didn't see it, but we could. He saw um, vegetation moving as it was going down the hill. 
uh, we found the spot that it went through, all the guy, all that good stuff. So, um, after about an hour, I finally had collected myself. I'm like, all right, we can go now. Well, I can get home, and we can get back to camp. Uh, what I was thinking is, you know, what I've always thought is it was uh, acting as a sentry, you know, for the for the other clan because there's been several sightings in that area. Uh, we even one of our members got some really good thermal footage of one that he was banging with Zagnut bars for a long time. Uh, one that he nicknamed Squeaky because he used to bring him squeak toys, like little dog toys, and they would always disappear. Mm-hmm. So, so like uh, a century is like a, a lookout or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's, that's what I think it was. He was a lookout for the rest of the clan that if something was in the area, he was going to warn them because, you know, they'd be sleeping. And uh, a lot of people think that they're strictly nocturnal. I really don't believe that. I think um, I think that they have different times of the day and night that they're up and moving. Um, and I don't think they move, you know, without purpose cause they're so huge, you know, and if you're, if you're that big, you want to conserve as much energy as possible. So, I mean, and then these are things that are as big as they are that can run down a deer, you know, and they can drop down to four, you know, drop down from two to two feet to, you know, to four legs and just go and run like a gorilla. And they're even faster on four feet than they are on two. So, uh, that was the first time. And then Holy again, that shit. night, yeah, well, then that night, yeah, we, yeah. we we got, <laughs> at the camp we were at, um, we got some really, really loud calls really, really close to us. So what we decided was that they were pissed off that we were in the area because it was really cold and they're usually not, they're not used to people being in their area at that time of year. Yeah, I was going to say, like, after seeing him and then hearing the calls, at, at what point do you and your buddy just kind of think like, okay, uh, they're coming for us? <sighs> Well, <laughs> um, right? yeah, exactly. I think they, they would rather, in my opinion, they would rather scare you away than actually come and get you, uh, for the most part. The path of, the path of least resistance at first. Exactly, exactly. You know, and you th- if you think about it, how easy would it be to avoid, you know, the little pink hairless things that run around the woods? You know, just during the day, stay away from any kind of town, road, or trail. You know, there's a reason they've stayed hidden for so long. So, yeah, there was probably eight or nine of us on that trip. And uh, the next morning we, you know, we left, we backed up and went home. But um, that was the first encounter. It took me about four months to get back in the woods after that. Oh, out of, out of just having to summon the courage to get back out there? Yeah, I was, I was scared, you know, and I'm not afraid to admit that at all. You know, I was, I was scared. So I don't know. I, I, think, to, I think if someone was to be honest with himself, uh, they also would uh, <laughs> think to themselves seeing an eight foot this eight foot thing that you know especially when you're coming from the mindset of i think this is an animal right, right? um now about that how high level of an intelligence do you think uh they do have well um let's see i the the, the smartest primate besides us are orangutans um and i think they're smarter than them um they just they're cunning, they're witty, you know, they're ambush predators. Um, they know what's going on, you know, they'll, you know, they hunt in packs, the, you know, they'll actually lure people in, that kind of thing. You know, I, I think they're extremely, extremely intelligent. Sounds like the, they sound like uh, the velociraptors from the, uh, <laughs> the first Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. I remember how they built those guys up so bad, like, as, right. as, like just these elite predators. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like hairy velociraptors. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So yeah, it, and then uh, it was about four months before I got back in the woods, and then I started doing eyewitness stuff again. And um, uh, sorry, my my fiance is making fun of me right now. So. Oh no, that's okay. Is there? A... <laughs> this is the life we live. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, now, is this report uh, available on BFRO.net? Um, I don't remember uh, the number of it, but I believe uh, it was either Patty Lee Davis the ticket or Tommy Poland. Okay. But yeah, it's on there. Um, and it was like I said, it was, it was one of the most terrifying encounters of my life, you know. And then uh, the second encounter I had was even stranger, and that one lasted about thirty minutes. Holy! So uh, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around being so scared you throw up. That's yeah. 
I, I've been nervous before and almost maybe gotten slightly nauseous from being too nervous for too long. Right. But, uh, but I've never, I've, you know, it's never triggered. It's never right. gone. It's never actually happened or I've never been that afraid. I don't think. Um, okay. So the second one happens. Okay. Let's, let's get into it. All right. It was in uh, October of 2011. It was in North Georgia. Um, my buddy who had set up the expedition, uh, had two in a row. He had two weeks that he was doing them. Uh, I went to the second one. You know, I had taken, I took some vacation and drove out and it was the second night of our, of our expedition. He asked if I would take a group of five newbies out with me and be with them. And it was absolutely no problem. And the way we did, we would set up on a trail and we set up on this area where he, they had had activity the week before. Um, by this time, I had some night vision. I had an infrared illuminated um, night vision monocular. Uh, it wasn't great, but it was, you know, for what we needed, for what I needed, it was it was perfect. Uh, so we had groups. I think we had like five groups set up, you know, within like 200 yards of each other, and we do that so we don't lose. They, we would do that so we didn't lose radio communication with one another. You know, so you could like stagger it, you know, because there's no way I'm going in the woods. The first group is gonna be able to get a hold of the second, the last group that's a mile away through the woods. So you, you set them up, stagger it so you can communicate with everybody. So I'm sta- I was standing up, everyone, you know, a couple of guys were talking and, uh, I was facing, uh, West on the trail and all of a sudden I feel something hit my left, uh, my right leg, right, be- right below the knee. I'm like, okay, that's strange. Uh, so I turn on my headlamp to red and there was uh, a rock, a decent-sized rock, sitting right at my foot. Like that's unusual. Took my turned my light off. And the, the guy that was next to me, who was a newbie, goes, "What happened?" I go, uh, "I just got hit in the leg with a rock. That rock right there." He went, "You're kidding." I went, no, I kind of wish I was, but no, I'm not kidding at all. And right at that moment, we had another rock land right in front of us, and then one uh, two two land in front of us, and then one came from behind us in. And landed in front of us too. So in a span of like five minutes, we had four rocks thrown at us. I'm like, all right, I'm about to do something really stupid because there's people that think that uh, they can see infrared. Uh, they can see in that spectrum. So that's why, like infrared illuminators on uh, night vision, things like that, don't really work. That's what people speculate. So you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna turn on my my night vision. And I'm gonna see if I can see anything. So I lift my night vision up, turn it on, and about 20 yards in front of me, behind this tree, I see a shoulder and a head looking out at me. Oh, God. And it blinks. Like, holy shit. <laughs> Wait, okay. So I drop the, illum- the night vision. I'm like, all right, no one's going to believe this. The guy's like, did you see something? Oh, just give me a minute. Stop talking. So I'm like, all right, maybe that was my imagination. So I lift it up again, and it's still staring at me. So I call over the radio saying, you know, we have a confirmed class A, class A setting, which is, you know, I got my, I'm actually looking at this thing. Um, and then all of a sudden the radio just starts blowing up. What do you see? What's going on? What's happening? I was like, I go over there. I'm like, guys, just calm down. Give me a few minutes. Let me assess the situation. So at that point we hear from behind us on the other side of the trail, something walking in, um, this little Creek bed. I'm like, God, there's two of them. Son of a bitch. This is not, <laughs> not going to go well. Oh, God, we're all going to be Bigfoot meat. Exactly. Then all of a sudden I look around me and all five guys are clustered around me. I'm like, that's good, guys. It's, yeah, easier for them to kill us all. Just all, everyone stay right here. This is nice. So I pick up the my uh, my night vision again and I look through it. And now this thing has moved to another tree and looking at me, leaning out, looking at me again. I'm like, this is not, this is not going well. And this is, this is all taking like 15 minutes by this time. And, uh, um, like, so I look up again, just about five minutes later, look up again. You know, we had heard movement behind us and he was, when I looked up again, it wasn't there. I'm like, shit, <laughs> where did this thing go? And then we hear, uh, cause where we were, there was a Creek bed 
like right about 10 feet, 10 or 15 feet away from the clearing that we were in. We hear it walking through the creek bed. I'm like, okay. And uh, didn't hear anything else. And then we heard stuff, you know, some, uh, like a, a, a tree snap or not a tree snap, but like a branch snap behind us. So we turn around, and a lot of people—I don't know if, if you're if you're familiar with the term "eye shine." Like you'll see a deer in the, in the middle of the night, and your eyes, the headlights hit hit the deer, and you see the eye shine. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. Okay. So one of the guys that's with me says, "I see eye shine. Do you see it?" And I've never really put too much uh, stock in eye shine. Uh, there are people that think that you know their eyes actually illuminate, but that's not true. Um, they've found out now that, you know, depending on what color light you hit them with, their eyes can be different colors, anywhere from like green to amber. Um, so I turn around and I look and I actually see eye shine. And this is the, you know, this, as long as I've been doing this, this is the first time I'd ever seen eye shine. God, I don't, I, this is where I'd be but, throwing up. Yeah, but I saw, I saw two sets of it. And, uh, one of them was about six inches lower than the other. I'm like, oh my God. You know, we're going to be a snack for these things. Something bad's going to happen. And uh, all of a sudden, we look back up, and one of them moved about a foot to his right. And uh, at this time, at this point, I had gotten everyone together and sat everyone down. So just, we're not going to make any noise. We're just going to be calm. Just relax. And uh, uh, at that point, we didn't see the eye shine anymore. And we heard two sets of feet walking away. And I didn't see this personally, but one of the guys that's with us that was with me uh, saw two shadows cross the trail, uh, the trailhead up the hill above us. And that was the end. That, the whole thing lasted about 30 minutes, 35 minutes. Wow. So we went back the next day to check out the area. And, I mean, you could see the trail that they used to come down to look at us. Um, the area you know, up on top of the trail was a perfect between both areas, like from behind the tree that he was looking at me, perfect for looking into where we were across the trail on the other side, perfect area for him to look for them to look over at us and not be seen. Um, so in my opinion, it was two juveniles because I think that in, I, if I remember correctly, the biggest one, the taller of the one was about six foot tall. I judged by where he was looking out at the tree and the other one was smaller. So we thought maybe it's a, po- a possibility that, you know, mom and dad left these two up here, you know, at the top of this trail. So they knew where they were and they could get to them easily. And they saw us come in they came down just to check us out. So I, we were getting played with, you know, they were having fun. You know, this is, you know, like their Saturday night TV to them. So, wow. The, yeah, that, oof. Go, go ahead. Well, I was thinking like, did, um, when you, now when you're talking about night vision, are these, these are like goggles you can put on. Well, this one, this one wasn't, it was a monocle. It was like, a, um, kind of like a scope for a rifle, but it's handheld. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't afford, you know, can't afford the goggles. I mean, you know, the third generation stuff, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. Wow. You know, so, you know, and, you know, fortunately, you know, we had those other things, you know, we had the good night vision we had uh, FLIR cameras, which is forward looking infrared, the thermal cameras, but my group didn't have any, they were with the main group. Um, so unfortunately, you know, I didn't have any way to record any of this. And, you know, the guy I was with on the expedition, who's you know, a good friend of mine, who was a good friend of mine, has set it up. We, we went back and did, you know, he interviewed me on, you know, video and it's, it was, it's on YouTube. I can send you the link to that if you'd like. So you can oh yeah, it, for but, sure. I'd like to um, uh, post that yeah. at the interview. Yeah. But he, uh, uh, you know, when he posted that on YouTube, I got, I got lambasted. Um, you know, how come you didn't record it? How come you, you know, this, that, and the other. And, you know, say he says he's a law enforcement officer, but he's got earrings in, you know, and, you know, just people just, it's, you know, that whole Monday morning quarterback thing. You know? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like, uh, yeah. you know, and, you know, the internet, for whatever reason, you know, I, I don't think people anticipated when it was when it was created right. that it would be such a such a magnet for the, all the negativity. But it's, it's and that's it's all strange. it is, you know. And it's these people who don't have, you know, don't have pardon the pardon the you know the the term don't have the balls to go out in the woods and look for it themselves. So they sit there and they watch all these videos all day and read stuff online and make their judgments there, you know. And they watch these you know stupid shows that are on now that you know. You know, and that's where they get their information from. 
you know, and they'll go out and they'll make tree knocks and, and, and calls and try to bring these things into them. And they don't realize what they're doing, you know, because, you know, you're going to screw around one day and get one of these things coming into your camp and you're going to be sorry. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, in, in all of my time thinking about Bigfoot and Sasquatch and all this in the skunk cave and like I've never really I guess considered that much the uh, the dire side of it or like the immediate danger that that is uh, actually you know very very prominent here right I mean it's like it's like inviting Chewbacca pissed off into your camp yeah you know you know the line from Star Wars you know how come no one ever how come no one's afraid of a droid how come, how come no one lets a droid win at chess? Uh-huh. Yeah, because a droid won't rip your arm out of socket if he loses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I personally, you know, I haven't really been out in the woods in a while, you know, and it, it's a shame. But I honestly, you know, I don't know if I'd ever want to see one again, you know, up close like that. You know, just because, you know, now talking to more people and reading more stuff, I know, you know, I have this feeling of how dangerous they are. You know, and, and these things have been known to to attack houses and try to get people to move out of their areas and, you know, flip over trailers and flip over cars, you know, and they're not the friendly forest giants that everyone thinks they are, you know, you know, they're not going to play with, you know, your, your Jack Russell Terrier, like Harry and the Hendersons did, you know, he's probably going to eat your Jack Russell Terrier, you know, they, they, you know, there's farms where, you know, people have, you know, house, you know, house pets go missing, cows and horses go missing, um, there's, you know, hunters that'll talk about, you know, they'll take down a deer and they'll go find it after it finally falls. And this thing has got it over its shoulder, carrying it away. You know, it's, you know, 600 pound deer, you know, it's, they're not something to mess with. I guess there, there seems to be, uh, well, I, I mean, certainly probably there's debates over whether or not they're vegetarians or like, do some, don't some people think they're vegetarian animals? Or not? Are they all pretty yeah. much omnivore? Yeah. On the so side some people, them? yeah, they they do. But I mean, there's some people think they're vegetarians, and um, they're omnivores. You know, of course they're going to eat lichen and you know berries, and, you know whatever's in season, whatever they can find to you know to sustain themselves. But an animal that big is not going to be able to survive without protein that you know that meats you know provide. And you know, a lot of people will tell you that they don't they don't they'll generally just eat uh, innards. You know, they'll eat the guts and oh. leave everything else. Yeah, because there's more nutrients. Oh you know, and they, you know, they know that. And see, this this uh, campground that we used to go to where all of this was based off, you know, that I used to... Um, in the URA, you could actually hunt. There's game land in there. You can hunt. And people would do their hunting during the day, and then they'd bring their kills back. And there was this log where people would gut the deer and let everything fall out on the other side. And I've talked to so many people that had done that and on at that campsite and said, you know, the next morning the gut pile was gone. You know, and it wasn't dragged away. It was just picked up and carried away. Yeah. You know, so then a bear's not going to do that. You know, you need thumbs for things like that. Oh, God. So, yeah, they're, yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not vegetarians. You know, they're not, you know, you know, visiting a salad bar. You know, they're, <laughs> they, they go for, they're, and they're, you know, they're eaters of opportunity, you know, and if, you know, little Timmy happens to get lost in the woods and he's opportunistic, you know, he might become lunch. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of harsh, but. Yeah. But yeah, when you but, think about David Polides and the missing 411 and you think about all right. of the people that have gone missing unexplainably, you know, some mm-hmm. of them returning unexplainable, but, uh, you know, right. whether that's an alien UFO situation or abductee thing, but you right. do get this, um, you do get the sense that there is something happening to these people that is unexplainable by the, uh, at least the measurements that we have now, uh, that most people are going to accept as legitimate. There's something missing here. 
And it's not just these people. It's the explanation for what happened to them. Oh, are you there? I think I, I dropped you. I'll call you right back. Uh, what I was saying was that, um, you know, there's obviously something missing here, whether yeah. it's, you know, more than just the people. It's There's an explanation that's missing for what's happening to some of these people. Right. And, you know, it's scary to think about, and it does definitely take away, it rubs away the cuteness real quick when you very, very when you set your mind yeah. to thinking about the very real possibility that this hyper-intelligent animal out there is right. not our friend. And, in fact... Right. Uh, we are on the menu for dinner. Exactly. Now, I forget the name of the young man. He was a football player, college football player, played in the pros for a little while, um, ended up uh, leaving. Uh, just this great guy. He was on a vacation with his family. Huge dude. He was like six foot two, 240 pounds. Uh, they went on a fishing trip. Uh, and this is in Missing 411. I, I apologize. I forget the name of the young man. But he wanted to go fishing one more time. So his family dropped him off. He got in his boat and he went was going down the river and um they were gonna supposed to pick him up at like 130 but at like 135 he called his wife and said that he was being followed by two men by two people and they get on and off phone calls from for the next hour or so two hours about him being followed and they're right there and he doesn't know who they are and uh two or two or three days later they find him dead um nowhere near the water you know, on dry land and covered up with brush. You know, and this is a big, you know, over 200 pound former linebacker. You know, so who had told his friends that he's being followed by something. Yeah, it's. You that, know, the, that is, yeah, so that's one of the speculate. You know, that's the, one of the big ones that people speculate that he was, you know, that he was probably killed by a couple of Bigfoot. Yeah, because in your mind, you're not going to be like, I'm being followed by two Sasquatch, probably. Maybe no. they're men. It'd be like, I right. think I'm being followed by two dudes. Uh, right. You know, you're not going to, you know. Oh, man, it's it's uh, it's interesting because, like, I think it's a kind of exploded now. And you have, like, you know, you have Bigfoot all over, the, you know, those beef jerky commercials and some other things. Right. But, but at the end of the day, you know, there is a there is a very serious element to it all that I think that uh, it's easy to forget for the right. casual observer. I wonder uh, in the BFRO.net specifically was um, would you say that it's exploded in, in the last few years as opposed to what it was when you were first involved? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's because of that. You know, it's because of the TV show, you know, and. Um, I personally haven't been on the website in quite a while, but I know that it, it, last time I was on there, it had grown by leaps and bounds and the amount of reports had grown tremendously as well. Um, so I think that it's, people are taking it more and more seriously now. Um, and I think a lot of more people are gaining an interest in it because of some of the shows that are on there. Um, it's on TV. You know, most of the shows that are on, that are on, that are on are crap. I mean like total crap. I mean, do you but, think do you think they're 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 helping or hurting like in that way? Like, like as far as being crap, do you mean like just the just the quality of content that they're putting out, just, or just ridiculous? You know, because I think I, I've you know, there's people that are saying that you know it's you know the producers don't believe in it, so they're going to do what they want with it, and they're going to show it as a joke. You know, and you know. And then you see the guys that are doing these shows for seasons and seasons, and they really don't want to catch anything because if they catch something, show's over, you know. So you know it's it's to it behooves them to not find anything, you know. And I'm not going to name names on the show, but <laughs> yeah, it, it would seem like to me it's like to be able to have the first Bigfoot on camera would be would be like exponentially more beneficial. But you would think so because yeah. uh, Roger Patterson and, and Bob Gimlin, you know, they were asked why they didn't keep looking after they, you know, got that, that video of Patty and, you know, in the sixties and they said, cause we thought that was going to be enough, you know, and there, there's actually, it's come out lately that there's actually three of them, three, three different creatures there during that filming. You know, they thought that was going to be enough evidence, you know, and this guy from, you know, everyone's trying to blown that, blown that, video out of the water for you know for the last 40 years or whatever 50 years and no one's been able to yeah you know, i mean i know there, there's that, some yeah. questionable circumstantial things that were that surrounding it with one of the guys yeah. but there is uh there's definitely enough of an interest to sustain 
you know, multiple TV shows. Um, right. You know, I know I just finished the uh, second draft of a feature-length movie I'm trying to write um, that, you know, Bigfoot is, you know, one of the main characters. Um, I right. mean, because I love this stuff. But um, actually, there's two Bigfoots that are main characters. But um, Awesome. You know, so who knows? But, like, there's... I just love the idea that, to me, like, I think about all these creatures of the night and these cryptoids and these other right. things that, like... To me, I, I like to fantasize that... You know, the Bigfoots are the protectors of, like, the, fa- the Fountain of Youth and, like, Chupacabras protecting right. El Dorado. And, you know, like, yeah. the Yetis are protecting Valhalla. Like, that's the idea <laughs> that I've got going. But the, right. um, but in reality, <laughs> as opposed to, like, Hollywood, these things very <laughs> likely are animals that will, in fact, uh, that don't speak English, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like in the movie I wrote. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they are going to... Uh, if nothing else, scare you, want want you away from them, much like right. any other animal would. Uh, they'll take the path of re, uh, least resistance at first, try to get you, mm-hmm. just get you away without having to exert major energy by attacking. Right. You. Exactly. You know, and you know, I think it's you know, people that are so close-minded that they won't accept the fact that this is a possibility. You know, I think that's one of the most arrogant things in the world. You know, just like people who don't believe that you know, there's there's other, you know life forms in the other parts of the, in, you know, in the galaxy. How arrogant can we be? You know, yeah, we don't yeah. know everything. Yeah, th- there's know? no limits to our imagination nor our exactly. arrogance, it turns out. The, uh, Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> if someone wanted to, uh, if someone has a keen interest in Sasquatch um, and they don't know how to go about fostering that interest, what would your, what would your advice to them be? Um, check out, uh, BFRO.net. I mean, you know, I'm not affiliated with them anymore, but I mean, it's a great site. Um, there's people that will answer questions. Um, and you know, if they want to contact you, I'll be more than happy to give you, you know, you have my contact information. I'd be more than happy to talk to people and, and answer questions. So, I mean, okay. Well, I mean, spoken from a guy who's had two encounters, I, you know, I'm more than happy to, uh, to pass along any information to you. Uh, you know, I, I would like to think that at some point I'll be doing the Minecast long enough to where I have like, you know, an expert Bigfoot team <laughs> that I can just go to. You know, I know uh, Bobcat Goldthwaite is a huge Bigfoot enthusiast, yes. and yeah. uh, I'm hoping to uh, get him on uh, sometime in the very near future uh, as well and talk to him about Bigfoot. But uh, yeah, so uh, well, dude, I think this was really cool. We didn't even get to talk uh, about like what you're doing now, but I, we'll have to do no. some more. We'll have to do more, <laughs> and, and not to mention there's a ton of other stuff we can talk about Sasquatch as right. well in the future. Absolutely. But, so we'll yeah, have to do I another have, talk. Yeah. But, I would uh, love to, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for taking the time out, and uh, you know, oh, good luck with the like baby. I, <laughs> thanks, man. Like I said, Ryan, I'm a huge fan of the show. You know, I do a lot of driving in my new gig, so I download you know tons and tons of podcasts and just listen to them while I'm driving. And I just actually finished uh, uh, Conviction of a Time Traveler the other day. So, and um, actually, I'm I'm getting really interested in the possibility of time travel now. Too. Oh, cool, Actu- cool. Yeah, my fiance is getting upset with me because I won't <laughs> stop talking about it. Yeah, so. Hey, man, the uh, the obsession is real. Uh, and exactly. You know, whether it whether it uh, has a different face from uh, year to year, I mean, who knows? But there's obviously something inside of you that is uh, that is destined to seek. And, well, uh, I just want to know. You know, yeah. I, I that's all I want. I just want to know. You know, I, I'm just, I've always been curious like that. You know, and so I, I guess think, that's just uh, it. Yeah, I think history is made by those who uh, by those who uh, have the unquenchable desire to know, and right. uh, you know I think. And, uh, and yeah, you're never gonna f- you're never gonna figure anything out if you don't get up and try. So. Yep, that's good advice. Is uh, is there anything on the internet you want to plug or like? No, uh, man. I'm you know I like I said I'm just doing the family thing now and loving life that way. And uh, you know eventually I'm gonna get back into it as hardcore as I was once, and I'm hoping to write a, at least one book about it and. You know, I'm going to start doing investigations down here in Florida pretty soon, as soon as I can find a group that I can, that, you know, I can affiliate with, because I have absolutely no contacts down here. You know, I was away for, you know, like 12 or 15 years, something like that. So, you know, I grew up down here and then ended up moving up there, so. Cool. Well, if I'm ever in the neck of the swamp down there uh, in the next, in the next near future, I'm definitely, maybe we got to go on a, uh, we got to go on a hunt. Absolutely. Absolutely. I got a bunch of other stories too, you know, and. You know, of, you know, uh, 
fishing out hoaxes and things like that. Oh shit, we didn't even get to talk about that. Yep, we'll we'll do yeah. another one very soon. But uh, dude, thanks again uh, so much for uh, talking with me, and uh, and I will uh, forward any uh, inquiries about Bigfoot and information onto you uh, from anybody who's listening here. Hello. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, there you are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was just saying I had a great time, man. I really appreciate it. It was an honor to talk to you, brother. Dude, uh, pleasure was all mine. Thanks so much for all the the great info, and uh, my, we'll my talk pleasure. again soon. We'll talk. Awesome. Again soon. Thanks, Ryan. Okay. Take care. See you, buddy. Bye. Bye. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to another experience of me and Paranormal You. My name is Alex Stein, I am the mixer of the Mindcast, and Ryan wasn't available to do the outro for this, so he just wanted me to let you guys know to keep following uh, RyanSingerComedy.com, follow the Mindcast, uh, go to the site, right on, iTo- on iTunes, and uh, just a heads up on Ryan, the, the last thing I heard was that he's uh, tracking down a guy who wants to do an interview somewhere in New Mexico, and that's... Ryan, that's all he told me. So stay tuned and listen to more Me and Paranormal You. Third year bonuses. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.